Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the gift of music. We thank you, Lord, for um, your gift of salvation and your love for us. Help us to never take it for granted that you love us. Help us as we look to, to you and your word to understand what it is that we need to apply to our lives today. Um, Lord, just uh, guide uh, words here. And I'm going to speak. Help, help them help what I say to be exactly what you want me to say and be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I should just go on from the song just sung to, to remember that Jesus is what matters. Uh, he's going to give us, uh, he gives us eternal life. And there's so much more in store for us uh, than, than um, what this world can offer. I found a quote recently from Adrian Rogers. And it says, most people today are just interested in making the world a better place to go to hell from. It's not that they'd rather have Jesus, they just, they want a better world. A lot of them are pretty misguided in coming up against agricultural communities and those, especially in some other nations. Um, but that's a good question. You know, why do we do what we do? Is it for the Lord because we love the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we like the rest of the world and we're just getting into... Uh, maybe a social gospel, or we're getting into this this idea that um, if we make this world a better place, that's all that matters, and we lose per- sight, we lose perspective about what what does matter. Eternity matters, but most people are are just interested in making the world a better place to go to hell from. So, what do you think? Do you know people still living in fear and still taking extreme measures not just to make the world a better place but to avoid any risk of anything at all, at all costs? Some of us uh, have come up to, again, against that reality that life is brief. So brief. And there's so many heart-wrenching current day examples of that. Now there are many who are who are fighting to make things better, but they do not have again this eternal perspective. Um, John eleven twenty five through twenty seven is a passage you should be very familiar with. Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies." And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Jesus even faced the the gravity of death as he came to raise Lazarus from the dead. But remember, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And as we discuss Elijah... As we go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17, as we discuss Elijah, we have also looked at character. We've seen not only how Elijah faithfully followed God, but also how in doing so, this built his character, and this would not have happened had he not had a serious or a very strong reliance 
upon his Lord, his God. And so, I want to challenge you to see that in this passage today, that not only does it point to character building by God, but the heartaches of life will build godly character. But that can only happen if we understand that God has complete control and eternity matters. We have to build this character, and this character can only build, be built upon a heavy reliance upon the Lord. Okay? And so, we're going to look at some keys today to help us to have that heavy reliance. So that we can say, you know, as we look at this, godly character builds upon heavy reliance in the Lord. Do we have a heavy reliance upon the Lord God? There's some keys to help us, and I'm probably going to take us completely different than maybe you've ever been as you've looked at this passage in the past. Because I want to focus on how we can have this heavy reliance. And there's three keys today, and we're going to look at the three omnis today. And so, would you follow along, and, and as I read this, maybe think about, well, how does a pastor get into theology where we're looking at uh, the power of God, the presence of God, and the all-knowing ability of God? So, verse 17 of 1 Kings 17, Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do? What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to this widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. See, your son is alive. Do we have eternity in focus? Who does Elijah, or what does Elijah do here? Who does he trust in? The Lord. What he does here is, I'd say he stands upon the rock. Do we stand upon the rock? Keep your finger there. We're going to flip around a little bit today. But Luke, again, I read chapter 7 already, but Luke 6.46. Luke 6.46. 
through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? This is Jesus speaking. And do not do what I say. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. And what I want to submit to you here today is Elijah was a man who had built his house upon the rock of the Lord God. When she comes up and accuses him, you're you're a prophet of God, and you being here... Now my past sin is made known, and now my son is dead because you are here, and so he is being blamed. And he could have lashed back out at her, but what did he do? He stood upon the rock, and as he stood upon the rock, he became a rock for her. Here in this passage in Luke 6, 46 through 49, it's a challenge by Jesus that, hey, we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the people in that passage need to believe in him and obey his word and believe in him, but also obey him. And the question is, do we not only believe, but that, does that belief lead us to obedience where we are building our house upon the rock? Or are we doing things our own way, going our own direction, and then in times of trouble... We think, oh Lord, you need to hold me up. Well, you're standing on the rock then, but have you prepared beforehand by obedience to the Lord so that you're ready? We've seen here consistently Elijah obeying the Lord God. He's ready for each next task. It came out kind of a tongue twister. He's got another task after this. But in this task, he looks to the Lord and he stands upon the Lord. He consistently obeys the Lord. Not only is he standing upon the rock, but he's resting underneath the wings of the Lord. And so I want to challenge you. Know that God is all-powerful, omnipotent. God is all-powerful. If God is all-powerful, shouldn't we not just cling to him and stand upon him and be willing to go to him and rest under his wings. Jesus, when he was going towards Jerusalem, said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you under my wings like a hen gathers her chicks. But they were not willing. You know, again, here the widow had blamed Elijah somehow not for her sin, but that he had found out her sin, and that's the reason why. You know, there are good and bad consequences in life, aren't there? There are things that just happen. Accidents. Was it someone's sin? Uh, in Sunday school the last couple of weeks, we're talking about the man born blind. Some happen because the Lord allows it or wants it to happen so that he can prove something or do something through that person or that situation. There's an eternal perspective 
Here, it was not Elijah nor the widow who were to blame. And here we find that, that the only thing that mattered was a heavy reliance upon the Lord God, right? This is crucial. Death is always devastating. Thankfully, we have those years between, maybe, most people do, but not all people do, have years in between where they can maybe recover a little and have a new normal. But then we're faced with it again, with death. And it is devastating. And so we must know, we must know how to and we must now put into practice our resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, resting under His wings. Today we rest in the confidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who conquered death, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 50-58. Elijah rested in the power of God as we must do. He knew God was in control and he knew God was good. Not only that God was all-powerful, but that God is good. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. So what did Elijah do? He didn't fight the widow, did he? He showed confidence. The one who stands upon the Lord, knowing he is all-powerful, is able to calmly and humbly say, give me your son. And I think it's important for us to understand there is no precedence for him to do what he's about to do in this passage. It had never been done before. But the question is, in this mess, today, for us, whatever mess we're in, do we look to the Lord? Godly character builds upon heavy reliance in the Lord And in order for us to continue to be willing to heavily rely on the Lord, we need to understand the crucial key that God is all-powerful. The second key to be able to rely upon the Lord or want to rely upon the Lord is knowing not only is He omnipotent, but that He is omnipresent. The Lord is omnipresent. The Lord is present in the midst of this situation. David asked where anyone could go to get away from the Lord. The answer, you can't run from the Lord. Psalm 139, 7-11. And for the believer, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. We live because of Christ. And we are not separated from Him. And so we are not only living a life now in Christ, but we have the Holy Spirit residing within us. But not only is the Lord present, not only is the Lord uh, not bound by time or space, but the Lord hears. And I think this is important for us to understand. The Lord hears. 
1 Kings 18.24, we're going to get into here in a little bit. We'll see what happens with those who are worshiping the false gods. And then we see what Elijah does yet again. Several times we see prayer involved. Does God hear his prayer? Absolutely. God always hears Elijah's prayers. And God always hears our prayers. Psalm 116.1 and 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. There are no conditions. I'll call upon the Lord as long as I get what I want. Or I'll call upon the Lord as long as things are going well. I will call upon the Lord as long as I live. Have you made that a perspective that you agree with? Is that your perspective? Does the Lord answer? He hears... He is present. He answers. He always answers. Again, 1 Kings 18.24, the Lord answered Elijah there. Here in this passage, does the Lord answer? Absolutely. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. But God always answers. Doesn't he? There's an answer. It may not be the answer we want. Here we find that Elijah prays three times to the Lord for this boy's life. Elijah does some things here which, which he was led to do. And no commentary I read. No one believes in those commentaries that the significance was in what Elijah did. But to who Elijah prayed to. And it was unprecedented. Do we connect with the hurting here? Look at Elijah. He is willing to connect. He didn't walk away. He didn't ridicule her. But he is willing to bear whatever came his way. He connected with the woman by being hands-on, willing to be there, to be engaged. And then he interceded. I think just for a moment here, I think it's important for us to remember we may not have the right answers. We may not know what to do. We need to connect to the Lord, be connected to Him in a deep relationship and let Him guide our actions and try to be there even if we do or say the wrong things. But we should be there to connect with those who are hurting. And the best way to connect with them is to be in a strong relationship with the Lord and let Him guide you. Again, this is unprecedented. No one has been raised from the dead in the Bible as of yet. At least not in this way. But Elijah believed in the Lord, that the Lord would hear his prayers. 
I don't know if Elijah knew that the Lord would answer in this way, but he knew that God is good. God always gives us what is good. And this gift, this good gift, we need to think beyond the physical. I wish we would all have the same answer as what Elijah receives here in this moment. But I put down a couple of passages here, and because of time, I'm not going to read all of these, but in Luke 11, 1 through 13, a short version of it. This is a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer here, beginning at verse 1 in Luke chapter 11. Then Jesus speaks about the persistent friend will get what he asks even, when, even though they're ready for bed. You know, they'll get up out of their bed. They've already shut up for the night. If the pr- friend is persistent, they'll get up and they'll give them what they want, right? He's saying, isn't God the Father going to give you better and be willing to listen to you more and answer you with a better answer than a neighbor? Or a friend. Then he goes on to say, God is better than us, us dads, us fathers on earth, and will only give us what is good. And in this passage, I think it's important to note what is the good thing he's talking about the Holy Spirit. What is good in this passage, verse 13 of Luke, is the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think we forget and look past what God has already given us. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, here in this passage, Jesus talks about ask and only receive what is good. So does God answer? Yes. He gives us what is good. Do you believe that? That's the question. John 16, 24, some of you have recently memorized this verse. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We have a direct line to the Father through the Son. We have a direct line to Jesus, do we take everything to him? And do we believe any answer he gets, gives us, whether it's delayed, whether it's yes or no, is the best thing for us? What I want to encourage you in is that you understand that God knows everything god is present and he hears and god is all powerful and we because of those truths should continue to rely heavily upon him that will build a godly character but we need to understand we are never alone so i'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit with the answer from the Lord. We can maybe put it under the next key I want you to see here today. The final key to, uh, to, to us, for us, is to be able to fully rely upon God through knowing that the Lord is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows every thought. 
He knows every detail. Um, for those who like comics and current comic movies, he, he knows every possible outcome, every, I don't know, Spider-Verse or whatever verse, you know, every possibility. Some of you got it. what are you talking about? Okay, that's right. But the Lord knows everything. There's nothing out of his hands. There's nothing that he hasn't considered. And he is not bound by time. He knows every possible outcome and he knows the right outcome. So God, here in this passage, I want you first to see. So is this biblical? Yes. Psalm 139.16. God has always known me better than I know myself. Psalm 139.16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. He knows my life. But he knows our intimate details as well. When Paul confronted the Corinthians about how they were, were, how they were saying they were following this preacher or that preacher and they were kind of getting into the fight. Um, at the end, he points out how man's wisdom is pathetic, <laughs> really. In 1 Corinthians three eighteen through 23. Let's go there real quick. All right, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. Whoop, went too far back. 1 Corinthians 3, 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Uh, it goes on, verse four, chapter 4, let let a man regard us in this manner as stewards of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And so in this discussion, though, what I want you to see here is God's wisdom, God's ways out, far outweigh any intellect, any wisdom upon this world from men. And we must trust in Him. Okay? So in this, we can rely strongly in the Lord. A couple other verses. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. Do you believe that? Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. You understand the Lord knows you, and he cares greatly for you. Other passages, 2 Timothy 2.19 and 2 Peter 2.9 speak about how the Lord knows. In 2 Peter 2.19, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. It speaks not only to the knowledge of God, but to the power of God. But God is perfect in His plan. He is. 
And a lot of us like to quote uh, Romans 8, 26. Notice the verses right after Romans 8, 26. Let's go there real quick. God is good. Do you believe that? And in His goodness, we can trust and believe and be thankful for His perfect plan. In Romans 8, 26, or 28, sorry. And we know that God causes all things to work together for, what's that word? Good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Notice the next two verses. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also, what? Glorified. What is the good? Speak specifically to our spiritual good, our spiritual maturity, our spiritual glorification, God is good, and there's a lot of physical things in life that we don't understand why we have to go through those things, why we have to deal with those things. I'm not saying that God won't answer your your prayer request in a positive way, because He does. And there's many miraculous things that we overlook that God does. But what I am saying, if it's not the answer that you wanted It's either not yet or it's because God has a perfect plan and you can still rely on Him and it is good. What builds character most of the time? Pain and suffering. Doesn't mean we'll have to endure the worst. It doesn't mean that God won't give us good things. But oftentimes, people turn from the Lord because they do not get what they want or they experience too much pain. Maybe a lot of times, I guess, they get too many blessings, too. That can be the greatest danger. So, anyway, (laughs) nothing is impossible with God. Matthew 19, 22 through 30, and there's more verses. But we're coming back to 1 Kings 17, 22 through 24. We need to notice what the Lord did do and what the Lord did did was to bring this child back to life and in verse 24 the woman's faith was strengthened and there's a point here not only that uh she says not only that she knows he's a man of god but that the word of the lord in your mouth is truth god is revealing the reality that he can bring people back from the dead and that elijah is his man and the word spoken here are going to continue on and Elijah, the next battle he has, this should be an encouragement to Elijah to understand that he can go forward and do something of greater difficulty. Maybe. I mean, he brought this, he prayed and God brought this kid back to life. But now you know what he's going to face? Is anything impossible for God? Nothing is impossible for God. Remember that. But in all of this, we need to be thinking about what God is planning and what God wants, uh, how God wants us to respond, how He wants us to respond. 
But the result here was faith. There was trust in Elijah as a spokesman for God. There's confidence by Elijah, I believe, in God. And so the question I want to ask you, several questions, right? Do you believe in the power of God? Well, yeah. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Do you believe in the presence of God? Do you believe God knows all things and nothing escapes him? Do you believe that his plan is perfect and his answers are perfect? We need to focus on the Lord and understand that he is who he says he is. That's the key to be able to continue to have strong reliance upon Him. And as we have strong reliance upon the Lord, He will build godly character. You know, I think it's far too easy to lose sight of eternity. And that's why even Christians can be caught up in, you know, most people that Adrian Rogers quote, most people today are just interested in making the world a better place. Well, we don't want people to go to hell. We want to involve the gospel, but sometimes we can lose sight of eternity and that that matters. And the reason we do good deeds is because we've been saved by grace and we want to draw people to Christ and they themselves to believe in Jesus Christ and to be saved by grace. We don't want them to go to hell. We want them to find Christ and eternal life. And so as we go through this life, you know, there's a lot of things that we can dream big for, we can work hard, we can enjoy everything, and we need to be engaged in, in helping people on this earth and making things better, but the end result needs to always be pointed towards growth and salvation, spiritual growth and salvation. It needs to be focused on eternity. So the challenge today is to continue to allow the Lord to work in your life, to mold and shape you. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to remember who God is and to continue to heavily rely upon Him. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for this time. As we look to your word, we thank you for the many examples from your word of how you worked, how you used people, which we didn't really get into, to do your will. And with that in mind, Lord, we want to be people. We want to be people who are used by you. Help us to be eager, to be ready, to be willing to continue to live our lives in a way that will bring you glory even in the midst of the greatest difficulties. And in those great difficulties or the good times even, Lord, help us to keep our our eyes on you that we would be people heavily relying upon you, a relationship with you, trusting in you as, as all these things take place. I do ask, Lord, that you'd bless each one, but not that they would just be blessed, but that they would be a blessing to those around them.
In Jesus' name, amen. Young people, come forward to take up this morning's offering.